welcome to the latest edition of hit the lights today i've got a very special guest with me uh and his name is reese powell how are we doing reese yeah i'm not too bad thank you um obviously uh i've got yourself on today um hopefully to talk a little bit from a, a different perspective um to maybe some of the guests i've had prior to yourself um and obviously that's from the perspective that you're actually currently going through your apprenticeship but it is a slightly different spin on it because i started when i was 32 i'm now 34 uh, most of the way through my second year right okay so you started in 2018 was it uh, yes yeah, september 2018 so how are you uh, finding college at the moment it's really good um it's a bit different because they are a training center uh the name of the training center is pnr hurt they're located in yeovil in somerset now being a training center all they deal with is just the electrical industry the amazing thing about them is that there's quite a few plus points um i don't know if this is going to sound like a bit of an advertising thing but they go from level three apprenticeship which i'm on at the moment so all the way through that they do design the 239 or well, the old 2391 which is the uh, inspection test they do initial verification pat testing courses the 18th edition they also do complex as well so that is from uh, one to ten so i think you've done stuff in as well with your uh, is it the thames you're working on at the moment thames link right? yeah that's correct yeah we have uh, we have a lot of uh, atex areas and stuff like that is that something um they're actually including in your course or you're you're still very much on the fundamental um we, 2330 um i don't know what it is now two three hang on i've got it on the computer somewhere um yes it, it's definitely something i'm going to go into uh and they have said it is a good idea to get everything under your belt essentially from what my wife said it's education they can't take it away from you um and if the opportunity is there um i'll take it for both hands but yeah we there is some desire and atex stuff included uh, in the apprenticeship um sort of you know seeing how the, what the symbols are and what the courses mean with it being the water industry explosive atmospheres um this that and the other you know where stuff is used why stuff is used um we've seen a lot of the stuff with containment so it's containing the explosion if it happens and um keeping the gases out essentially and you know the associated cables that are used you know mi and then obviously with a different area so if you take petrol stage, for example, is it below ground? Is it above ground? Is it on forecourt? Is it in the kiosk? So they, they have gone through some of that stuff with us, yes. Okay, that's good to know that they're obviously covering a variety of installs and, and stuff outside of the usual scope um, that would be, you know, deemed electrical training. Yeah, it's it's extremely varied. The other plus point with PNR Hurt is all of their tutors are working on the tools when they're not teaching. Right. So um, Stephen Dorr, who teaches at the third year, for example, uh, he's fully complex qualified. And when he's not teaching, I think he was out doing um, 
before I got testing the other day. Right. Uh, Jeff, who is the tutor and is the son of Paul and Rita, who uh, teaches first and second years, um, he is, he's very big into his sort of uh, up and coming technology. So uh, big on CCTV, um, data networking, all that sort of thing. He's a he's a contract in Spark as well. So right, okay. He's, he's still they've all still got their hand in, if if you know what I mean. The other one of the other trainers, uh, Peter Duncan, lovely bloke, absolute salt of the earth. Um, he does a lot of stuff with hazardous areas, does a lot of consulting, and also does a lot of stuff with HVAC as well. So he brings a lot of different influences and experience as well. Yeah, no, it's obviously definitely good to have teachers who are out there and um, picking up the the current trends in in training and mm. and obviously delivering it to you guys. Are you on a uh, one day a week sort of day release with a, a uh, company? Uh, we we're um, second year is uh, Tuesdays, yeah, one day a week. So how have your company that you're working with? Um, do they facilitate obviously things like the MVQ? Do they give you a good variety of installs to assist in managing that? Well, there is a, there's a bit of a backstory about that because uh, 2018. I was actually working for a LED manufacturer in, oh, I did lighting manufacturer in Bristol, and that's where I started my apprenticeship. Um, and unfortunately, I got made redundant from there due to some uh, things going on in the market, and they were very helpful in helping me when I started with the apprenticeship because I was actually a service engineer at that point. So I was going out on site and doing lots of different things with fault finding, and it was just a myriad of different. Uh, venues you go to the, some stuff ranging from there's a lot of commercial stuff so you go to sort of bars restaurants some hotels up to uh we did stuff with huge theater groups uh Wembley Arena was a big one we spent four days there actually updating the current system that they had to the latest LED chips um new driver boards power supplies um, and basically keeping the Wembley Arena emergency lighting system up and running and safe and working. Unfortunately, like I say, unfortunately, January got made redundant. I then had a conversation with uh, Paul Hurt, who runs PR Hurt. And I said, Paul, what do I do? Unfortunately, I've been made redundant um, and I need to find a placement. What do you recommend? And he said, after you know quite a short conversation would you like to come and be a contractor with us we'll put you through your apprenticeship and we'll sort of go from there and i've been doing that since uh, mid-january a lovely bunch of guys down there basically hit the ground running uh, there's two uh, contractors who sort of do it every day uh, luke and mark absolutely wonderful people they obviously know what i've done Previously, they know my limitations, so they're not putting me on the spot. Huge amount of support. Uh, we were out on a job the other day, and Luke, I was working with, said, what's the biggest SWA you've done? I said, well, it's three quarters, two and a half. He said, well, when we get back, when there's some downtime next week, we'll get loads of different types of SWA out. You can have a go in doing really big stuff. So uh, we did. Mark was there as well. He gave me loads of pointers. 
Um, it's just really supportive and it's really good to have that support um, and, you know, people to sort of help you out, really. Well, that sounds really positive, obviously, that they're assisting um, your learning. Obviously, so you mentioned you come to the industry quite late in life. Um, what yeah. were you What were you doing actually up until uh, you you had this career change? Um, well, I was working as a service engineer for this uh, company in Bristol. So I started off with them in I think it was late 2014 uh, as a manufacturing uh, technician. So we would we would get you know box of parts and we build these huge. Uh, like fittings and, and some small ones as well and they've gone into loads of different venues I think if you go to any uh, theatre in the West End you'll see their system their house life system uh, they did a lot of custom stuff a good example if any of your listeners are uh, ever watched live with the Apollo uh, at the um, Apollo Theatre in London, there's these huge 1930s, I believe, uh, lamps, and they've got um, RGBW stripping. So we, at the time, took all their fittings and brought them to the workshop in Bristol. They were totally stripped, cleaned, uh, down to component form. There was a mesh uh, that was made inside of aluminium. And then there was LED strip attached to that. And then we then built the entire control system. So you had a four channel control system. So you were able to mix RGB and a pure white. Because the problem with RGB, it's never a true white. It's that tinge of purple uh, that you get. But they um, pride themselves on the best dimming in, in the world. Even so much uh, the ETC would biggest lighting manufacturers for um, stage performances, festivals, you name it, actually bought the range off them right. because it was that good. So I was working as, uh, as a technician there and then I was able to become a service engineer with them. Did that for a long time. Uh, did dip out of that for nearly a year and went into the higher industry. That was very interesting. So that was your things like um, Glastonbury, uh, Boomtown festivals, we would then um, hire all the kit out to them. So everything from, you know, a 16 amp extension leads to huge amounts of truss work, uh, rigging, massive 400 amp three-page distros, so your big power lock stuff. So I got a lot of experience in that. But when I went back from there um, to this uh, company in Bristol, I was talking to uh, a few people when we were working away that they said, can you take your driver off the wall and then reinstate it with a new one? I said, well, yes, we can on the sell side, but we can't, can't do anything on the LV side because we're not um, qualified. And I was talking to somebody else in the industry, um, Nick Ewins from Push the Button, who were over in uh, just outside Bristol. And I said to Nick, what do I do? Because I've seen these um, courses you can do. He said, no, 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 no. He said, you have to do an apprenticeship. You will get laughed out of the door if you do one of these courses. And it's a waste of time. They're not going to teach you the right things. You need to go through the process, get your apprenticeship, get the experience. He said, I understand you've done a lot of stuff previously, but trust me, it'll open your eyes. And it did, because it's amazing how much stuff I've learned 
in nearly two years. Mm. Uh, so when you say sorry, short courses, you, you, uh, that's what I'm assuming you're you're referring to. Sorry, the short yeah. course. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot when you type becoming a commercial electrician into Google, you get that before the proper information re- regarding you know people like JTL who should be at the top of the search engine. Unfortunately, they're not, and you get. A lot of these training companies, which I won't name, saying, pay us five grand, you can become a commercial electrician, which is totally wrong. Because if you look at the stuff that you're dealing with on a commercial stroke industrial basis, and you'll know this, it's not like wiring a 13 amp plug. There's so much to take in. Um, and especially with a free face as well. You know, you've got to know what you're doing. Um, yeah, definitely. So obviously doing a lot of the installations then for these events did were you provided at that time any any sort of um anything to do training wise with say the bs7909 and the temporary installs around events we we were a little bit yes obviously there were guidelines to the customer specified this amount of power we will then need x y and z if there were any sort of uh, jumper cables, uh, there's a lot of cable used in the entertainment industry called Socapex, which is um, 16 amp, but it's actually six circuits within one cable. So then there was a lot of calculations of, well, they've got this much Socapex, it's going this distance, there will be inevitably this much voltage drop, and then it's going to break out into you know uh, six luminaires, or it could have been amplifiers. So, yeah, there was an element of that. Um, the PAT testing was extremely rig- vigorous anyway, because it was done every year. But every single cable, when it came back in, was fully visually inspected. Um, they would uh, put it on a socket and see, check there was no um, cores that were damaged. I mean, quite a big part of my job uh, in that part of my career was quality control, uh, repairs. We did a lot of upgrades. So we started phasing out certain cable to make sure it was all HO7 because there were some older sort of HO5 stuff in there. Every connection was ferruled and crimped, even big stuff up to you know, 125 and three phase, the big five core cable, all that was crimped to make sure that it was a, a really good connection. And the slightest bit of damage, they would just change the connector because there was huge amounts of external influences that you've got to take into account sure. uh, damp areas truck driving over things there's so many things to take into account and the earth side of it as well for, for safety because you know it's not like in a house where you know you've got a limited uh, amount of contact shall we say yeah obviously yeah obviously these are major events that have uh, large quantities of people present so mm. were, were the installations generator supply typically did you have much involvement with with those sort of different sources we didn't deal directly with the generator output but we would then specify to a customer or they would specify to us what capacity they had we then did a lot of stuff with a big entertainment venues so then we would know what power they had and what capacity they had so then the the right equipment would be supplied because 
there's no point in turning up with a load of single phase stuff and wanting to break that down if all they've got is a three phase output. Yeah, sure. Then, yeah, there were d- different jumpers as well, sort of Y splits. And we had huge, they still have huge custom distros that would take anything from 32 three phase up to um, 400 amp power lock. And it would be then distributed down to 16 amp uh, single phase C4. So, yeah, it was. So, it was a huge amount to sort of look at and take in, but then it would take you potentially two hours to fully test the distro when it came back in. So it would go on higher, go out for a week, and then it come back and every single RCBO, RCD, MCB, whatever it would be, would be fully tested. So yeah, it, you had to be absolutely spot on with what you were doing. Okay, so you obviously pretty familiar with the pat testing codes and everything like that now as well then did a little bit of a pat well, i did a, a one day pat testing course which is all right um i am hopefully when this uh, virus thing <laughs> dies down um is doing my proper pat test qualification because there is that sort of halfway house of i know a lot of it but i'd like to know all of it and then do the qualification and then you know prove to myself and others that I am competent in what I'm doing and safe which is one of the biggest things yeah definitely yeah the industry needs to probably adopt that uh, across the board so obviously from the sounds of your your story and your your background you kind of dabbled in the electrical industry um throughout your career and then you've eventually taken the the jump to becoming an, um, a full-time apprentice so what is it you enjoy about the electrical industry? What made you take that jump? I think it's been able to, you know, save with a huge amount of pride that you are an electrician and, you know, the, the respect that you get because obviously you have gone going through the process of learning all of this and just being proud of what you do, but no two days are the same. I think that's what I really enjoy about it. And it's it is a sort of the sort of thing where you can stand back after a day's work and go, Yeah, I did that. You know, this customer's got a brand new fuse board or their garden lights or the project that we're working on at the moment, you know, this vet um has got thirty-six odd cameras, be those uh, infrared inside, you know, and then being able to work more efficiently so they can remotely see what the animal's doing. Yeah, it's just a sort of big sense of pride, really. No, that's, that's obviously um, nice to hear, obviously, different people's reasoning for, for coming into the industry. I think I was probably very similar as well um, when trying to choose my path. Mm. Probably then is, is a good question for like-minded people then who are potentially approaching similar positions in their life. Is there any advice you'd offer someone who's potentially considering a career change quite late in, into their life and careers? I would say the first thing you need to do is do your research. Don't do, unfortunately, what I did, first of all, and go, oh, I'll pay five grand. I will do a short course. It will be brilliant. It won't. Find a good employer. Get in touch with JTL. There is funding available as a mature learner. 
apprentice, whatever you want to call it. They will guide you through it. They were they are absolutely fantastic. If I've had any problems, they are there for me. Fortunately, I didn't do as well as I liked when I was in school. So they've helped with the functional skills side. So they're bringing my maths and my English up to uh, a much better standard, which is fantastic because you definitely need the maths when you're doing cable calcs and all the rest of it. And especially people forget with the sort of um, English side, you know, going through uh, writing emails, letters, um, doing sort of invoices and stuff like that, being able to sort of understand it. Um, so that was very, very good. And just enjoy it. I mean, there's such a varied range of ages in my class. You know, I'm the oldest one, I want to say I'm the oldest one of 33. Um, but there's a lad who sits next to me. He works for his dad called Jacob. Um, he's been doing it ever since he could hold screwdriver in his hands. Um, and the stuff that kid knows, I say kid, he's 18 now, um, the stuff that kid knew and knows when he first started was much more than I did, especially on the sort of industrial side. I mean, he could terminate SWA with one hand. Mm. Absolutely amazing. So if there was, if you had to go back and say the 15, 16 or even 18 year old Reese, what advice would you be offering him? Get into the electrical industry now, because if I was the A, if, if I was at the point in my career now when I started at 16, I, I'd probably be at least 10 years ahead of where we are now, um, especially with you know experience. Inevitably, you're going to bring the money side into it. And I think you probably would have made the career not as patchy, if you know what I meant. I mean, um, but then saying that, if I hadn't um, taken the leap in 2014 of coming out of being uh, a printer engineer and then going into the manufacturing of the lighting side, I wouldn't have met my wife. So, yeah, it swings and roundabouts. But definitely got into the industry a lot earlier, definitely, because there's so much going on now. You know, EV charging, the talk of AC and DC consumer units, uh, the different styles of power generation we're going into now. Yeah, yeah, get into it now and just do it. Yeah, no, I think... Um... I think one of the things I probably found probably not to the same extent as yourself, because obviously I, I think I found it a bit earlier, but mm. was just a careers advice at school. Um, yeah, I didn't get very good advice, to be fair. I don't know if it was different in Wales because I'm originally from uh, Wales. Uh, I don't know if it's different in England, but yeah, it was, oh, well, you're OK. You should go into IT. Mm really good with my hands you know yeah yeah i mean i literally got nothing i think i had a what was it a business studies teacher and he was just kind of like what do you want to do and i was like well i don't know and he said well there's a leaflet go and try and work it out yeah exactly we we didn't get a lot it was well you're quite good at it try that there was a little bit of oh you could go into the army and my mum and dad were like no way you're not going into the army um there were reasons why um, and I fully respected that. 
Um, but yeah, it, it wasn't great. But there needs to stop being this stigmatism of, oh, you're, and you do get it sometimes, oh, you're a sparky. So you not do that well. You don't actually, people don't actually say it, but it unfortunately is out there where there is a sort of sick stigmatism. It's like be, uh, when they say it about plumbers and stuff. Mm. It's a hard job. This People don't understand. There's a lot to, to do and learn. And if you get it wrong, the worst thing's going to happen is you're going to kill someone. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the industry probably, it's a stereotype that's out there. I think the term engineer is thrown around quite loosely as well um and it's devalued by a lot of uh, additional trades that just yeah. kind of take take the term and unfortunately electrician sparky and engineer have all become too loose and i think we do need to revert to probably 20 years ago when it when it actually meant something yeah exactly i mean i was when i technician fine when I first started, I was a, a, um, a production technician, so it meant you built stuff. There was an element of testing and fault finding, granted, but engineer is just ridiculous. I mean, you can be sort of like a technical engineer for, you know, making popcorn. You know, no, you're not an engineer. Not really. Yes. You, need to, you need to go through the proper channels. You need to either you do um, certain study. Uh, be that open university or you've, you've, you've done the work previously uh, and you've got that experience or you or you go to university. Um, but I think with the university side, you still need to be hands-on as well. You know, there are actually some people I've met that have gone to university and, oh, I'm an audio engineer. Yeah, that's fine. But they've never taken an amplifier apart. It's, it's a very strange mix, but I do yeah. agree with you, Barry, that the engineer thing, we need to bring it back up to where it was, and the, res- the respect needs to return, most definitely. Yeah, cl- clearly defined definitions, um, whether that be in various you know documents, such as uh, the one I saw come out recently for testing and landlords by april 2021 and, and all that sort of thing there's there's not enough clear definitions in there of what no. competence are, is and and what what it means to be an electrician and have them in your household giving you a, a report I, I definitely think so because i have heard some stories but don't know if this is true and correct me if i'm wrong that you don't actually need to be be a gold card holder you know serves an ethical apprenticeship etc but you can go on a, a course and do inspection or test inspection, inspection test. But I, I don't see how that makes you competent in any shape or form to perform that task. No, 100%. Other than having a, a little bit more knowledge than you did when you started, it, it definitely doesn't build what would should be criteria as, as com, uh, competence. Um, again competency that's something that's been watered down so much that you know you unfortunately you can see through it it's 
it's just ridiculous. You know, you need people need everybody within the electrical industry or any industry needs to look up and go, are these people competent? And yourself, you need to turn around and go, am I actually competent? Should I be doing this? And not just being Billy Big Balls and going, I can do everything because you can't. I I will fully admit there are loads of things that I have, I know, but I'm sure as hell wouldn't do because I don't feel competent and I don't feel safe. But there needs to be a proper definition and proper criteria when working within the electrical industry on what you can and cannot do. This is what is making, unfortunately, and people are going to hate me for saying this, and I'm going to put myself out there, the electrical industry needs to be brought to account in every sector, be it domestic, commercial, industrial. Are these people competent and are these people safe in what they're doing? I think it probably brings into the whole license to practice thing from SparkSafe that's that's commencing out there. It has to happen, Gary. And it, I, I know that you cannot rush these things through, but it has to happen sooner or later because there are people that don't know what they're doing and putting people's lives at risk. You know, we're only flesh and blood. And, you know, it, it's, it's a fantastic saying that uh, Jeff, my tutor, taught us. Uh, back when we first started, it's the vaults that jolts, but the mills that kills. And if you're messing around with electrical installation, especially some of the older ones, or you've wired it up wrong, and there's no RCD protection, or it's not wired, correct, wired correctly, that that RCD is going to operate, you're dead. I'll definitely remember that. Mm. Vaults that jolts, mills that kills. Mills. <laughs> so I remember that one. So obviously, you're fairly fresh-eyed into the industry. Then, what's mm. what's some of the positives that you've seen so far? There's a lot of safety coming into the industry. I think uh, SPDs has been a good thing, although it is, you know, still a cost. From what other people have said, um, I'm going to sort of reference Paul Meenan at, at this point. Um, if, if you've got a, a tablet which I'm using at the moment to talk to you, you know, that's 700 quid. What's an SPD? Yeah, 40, 40 quid. Most of the time, that's actually built into the consumer units. I mean, we moved into this house um, back in November. It's got a split RCD board. Uh, as soon as I get some time on my hand, we're going to have full, uh, obviously, with the help of my colleague, because I'm certainly not qualified, or again, going back to the whole company, being competent enough to sort of put it in. Um, that'll have um, well tariff. saved by the way <laughs> right. yeah, exactly. uh, that'll have um, type 2 in the board and there will be um, certain elements that, elements that we uh, have type 3 that's what have. and there's, there's so much exciting things happening you know you look at uh, electrical vehicle charging you look at renewables heat source pumps I know they're talking about getting rid of gas boilers and, you know, having electric heating. It's such an exciting time. There's all this new technology coming out. Um, Data is another big thing. 
we do a lot of stuff where we're starting to do more and more with cctv you know cat thick um i may have said this before with um ac and dc consumer units because it's quite wasteful with uh solar pv because you're converting dc into ac and then back to dc when you're charging your phone you know, surely it's a more streamlined affair um, i think they do it's the same with cars i'm not entirely sure i'm not, not usually clued up with ev as much as i'd like to be yeah, why are we wasting energy to make energy, if you know what I mean? Yeah, certainly domestic installations are going to get a lot more complicated. If You know, if you think you've got a car, a, an electric vehicle, solar, um, all your surge protection devices are full yeah. potentially coming into the domestic market once it's cheap enough. Um, there definitely will yeah. be some. I we're going to have to upscale. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a specialist thing at the moment. I mean, obviously, when you're doing certain risk assessment, there's certain properties, yes, you put it in. If you had a thatched property, I think it'd be bonkers not to put it in. I wouldn't even give it a second thought. And if I was um, assisting a customer in the design, um, then yes, I obviously, you would recommend that. Um, it's the same as putting the proper cable in a thatched property. You wouldn't run everything in T&E because look at the external influence you've got. You know, you've got a thatched roof, you've got weather coming in, you've got rodents, all sorts. So, yeah. yeah. Most of that would actually probably end up being in conduit. I think that was something yeah. um, Lee Ward shared very recently on his uh, condition report for thatched properties. Yeah. And I, I learned a few things on, from that. Yeah, and that's the other thing that you know that, that brings me on to another good point. You say about you know what what is it coming into the industry at the moment? There is so much help out there. You know, Twitter has been a massive source of help. You know, there's loads of people doing all this stuff for free, like your good self. You know, Dave Sparky Ninja. I'm not taking my 18th until next year, but his podcasts and videos, wow, unbelievable. The the, the stuff that I've learned from him has been absolutely amazing. Um, John Ward, I could sit and watch that guy all day. Unbelievable, absolutely brilliant. Um, Paul Meenan, he is pushing for the industry, like a lot of people, to be better, and that's what it needs. It's sad that it's needed to uh, to get to that stage where people have needed to step in and go, hang on a minute, boys and girls, let's bring this back up to where it needs to be. And then you've got people like. Um, Gary and Joe from uh, Tresham College, they're going on a very exciting journey uh, with eFix. But you look at his videos, you know, you wouldn't be able to do that 10 years ago. Go online and go, right, we need to learn a bit more about two-way and intermediate. You know, there's videos out there, you know, and it's all free. They, I have heard, that, you know, there's some kids that are doing apprenticeships and they go, well, we only get one day a week and the rest of the week, all I'm doing is helping my boss pull cable and he's not teaching me. Well, you know, get yourself online, you know, put yourself out there. Unfortunately, we're in this horrible pandemic, which is dreadful for everyone. But now is a fantastic time. So they've got even more time on their hands because they're not available or able to go to college. I mean, mm. you know, get online, research, watch the videos. There's so much CPD out there. and There's so much stuff you can learn. Now, if now is probably one of the best ever times to get into the industry. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I can't disagree with that. The content is there. Um, mm. I only wish probably I'd had it 15 years ago and mm. 
had had the opportunity to learn all these extra things because I think most of it was scribbles in a, in, a, in a book and that was the one thing I took away from college that I shared probably recently on social media was uh, the, the tutor just said have a book write every formula in it write every useful bit of information and that's essentially what I've ended up with and it's all still relevant today nothing's changed in the basic science um, but obviously you can go and have a further understanding and when you see the likes of Adrian Davey doing these giant three-phase um, wheels with all the magnets linking to the phases and, and the sine mm. waves and stuff like that you just didn't get all of that on online um, in the past and that sort of information being available really really must hopefully help upskill all the electricians coming through no exactly i i don't think any electrician in 2020 can argue that they're not able to do cpd because there's so much out there even if you pick up a copy of you know toilet electrician there's loads of cpd in there loads and loads of stuff in there you know and even just watching a couple of like videos from like john wood you learn so much you know, and he, he goes so in depth with it. But the joy with a lot of these YouTubers is it's not boring. I mean, you look at David Savory when he did that um, EICR video recently. Super informative. There's an element of comedy about it. You know, you are engaged. You know, it's not like 10 years ago where you've got this grey-haired old guy just waffling on and talking about absolutely nothing and then you sort of come away from an hour of that going was that actually learn anything probably not because it was boring but you know they are so engaging when with youtube you know it's so engaging to watch you know you're especially for me you're hoping that oh wednesday oh we're going to get such and such videos being put out you know um saturday is this you know and it's drawing you in and encouraging you every day to do CPD uh, and to learn and, you know, better yourself. Yeah, definitely. So obviously, again, probably with fresh eyes, is there any particular technology that you've recently engaged with that you think is, is different potentially and s others can learn from that you might want to give a shout out? LED dimming is probably the next big thing. Um, Huge amount of people are, you know, coming away from traditional incandescence. There's a lot to learn about that because obviously there's a huge amount of different loads. It's an inductive load. Well, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a different type of load. So then you've got to have a different dimmer. You know, you stick a, a LED filament lamp on a cheap dimmer from Wix. Um, it ain't going to work very well, and it's going to dim incredibly badly. There are huge amounts of technology that's coming through where you get dimming that will mimic sort of the old tungsten filament and it's absolutely amazing there's also the the, the smart technology you know sitting there from your phone and going mm, did i leave the light on in the workshop just look at your phone yes i have Boom, turn it on that is uh, there's so much amazing tech coming out and um, kinetic switches as well you know if you've got a really difficult install and you can't get that cable run to where it is or you're going to have to you know lift up 30, 40 fuse boards in, you know, Mrs. Robinson's house just to get one cable run. If you're then able to just, you know, plonk a switch on a wall and put receiver on a light, yeah, you've saved yourself loads of time 
um, you haven't, you know, messed up a nice carpet. Or in the worst case scenario, you, you see a lot of these houses are laminate floor, and you try getting that up, you haven't got a hope in hell. Yeah, um, I think um, probably one of the things, probably an idea here, probably for free for everyone, but um, smart technology within distribution boards, I don't think has been quite optimized enough. And I think no. if, there, if there's an opportunity to monitor the devices and potentially even give some sort of false status on why mm. something might have tripped um, and you know obviously with that that could go as to as far as afdds spds mcbs the rcds um or the rcbos or whatever you're using and actually give a communicative status and if an electrician maybe was maintaining a property or paid to maintain a property to actually get that status before you get the call out you can actually almost diagnose it remotely exactly i mean if i draw my experience from uh, the higher and entertainment industry, you've got um, systems in place that uh, run on the Canvas network. You can either dial into it through the menu, or you can plug a small laptop in, or even you could have it as a sort of, you know, transmitting, receiving uh, PCB on there, because they're all doing it now with the smart meters, you know. There, there, there's a little bit of stuff with 5G. Is it good for you? But you know, that's a topic for uh, that's another topic to come on to, where you can you know not in, not in this podcast. No, no, no. <laughs> that's another one entirely. Um, where you know you can dial into uh, moving lights. A good example, if you see um, festivals and stuff, there the lights are sort of move around, change colour, and you you can dial into those, and it'll say, well, it's done this many hours. It's got this fault on it, et cetera, et cetera. So, yes, I, I fully agree with you. And it would make life a lot easier if, if you think about social housing and more vulnerable people, uh, and, you know, the elderly as well, if they're able to, if the, the boards are smart and they've tripped off, if there's a central location, then they're able to send someone out and you haven't got, you know, a poor elderly man or, or woman plunged into darkness for days on end is going to trigger something and go, oh, that's gone wrong. Let's send someone around to Mr. Jeffrey's house because, you know, it's taken the RCBO out for his heating uh, and he's, you know, going to get cold or not get cold because they sent someone around there. Um, yeah. So probably where where do you see yourself going then in the future? I'm very hungry for knowledge. I would hope, and I'm pretty sure on this, that I would be able to do um, inspection tests. The design side, I'd also like to do um, complex as well. If that was all of them, that would be amazing because that would be so many strings to your bow. It, you know, it'd be like an orchestra. Um, there's quite a few, there's obviously quite a few years in that. Of, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to do that over a weekend, most definitely not. Yeah, I, I think just being able to do a lot of different elements, but do them well and be competent in it. Not just going, oh, I can do everything, but actually be good at it. There may be the stage where I may only do complex one to four and think, 
perhaps that is enough do I actually need to do the other ones I don't know I'd have to wait until I get there but definitely be a good competent electrician who takes pride in their work and, and is proud to stand back from everything they do be it wire a 13 amp plug or do a massive 400 amp god knows how many ways three phase install in a huge industrial location stand back and go i did that i'm happy with it i'm pleased with it i know it works properly and i know it's been terminated fixed properly all the calculations have been done you know and i've been able to stand back and go yeah i did that and that's going to last 20 30 years hmm. yeah no definitely and I, I think um what we'll have to do is obviously uh keep in touch and hopefully yeah, if we can get you on at a later stage at another on another podcast and see how you're getting on in your, in your development fantastic um there is one final question what okay. is your favorite movie right this is very much thanks to my wife Lindsay. um i've never seen it before uh it is a bit of a um kids movie but it always cheers that we watch it which is uh, Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit. If you're feeling a bit down, or you've had a bit of a rubbish day at the office, watch that, because it's absolutely genius. It's so funny. I don't know what's going on, but I had uh, Peter Arrow on, a, on an earlier episode, and he was saying Kung Fu Panda. So obviously, um, this yeah, must I be a trick. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. You know, there, there's, some, there's some good films out there. There was a guy I used to work with uh, called Mike Jeskins, lovely guy. Um, he was very quiet, but he was sort of, he'd quite sort of a big guy, and you think, well, you know, he was into his heavy metal. But one of the things he used to do was whenever a kid's film would go out, him and his girlfriend would go out and see it. And he absolutely loved it. And he, <laughs> if there was a kid's film that had come out, he'd definitely seen it, you know. So, yeah, even no, frozen for that. We're all big softies on the inside, aren't we? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you very much for your time. Not a problem, Gary. Thank you very much, sir. And thank you all for listening. See you soon.